God, David. And we've been traveling through 1 Samuel. Today we land at 1 Samuel chapter 18. Let me give you just a little bit of background of uh, where we're going with today. David, last week we saw, um, toppled that great giant Goliath, beat him out on the battlefield. And as a result of David's um, defeat of Goliath, the Israelite soldiers were um, encouraged. They were filled with uh, confidence and they charged the field and they routed the Philistines, ran them back home, um, killed many of the Philistine army and destroyed them. And so, well, to a certain extent, uh, defeated them and uh, so sent them packing. So what happens where we land today is the um, Israelite army is on their way back home, back toward Jerusalem. Uh, King Saul's there, David is there, uh, and all their conquering uh, victory laps. So there's these little parades that are happening from one town to the next. And as they approach from one town to the next, people have begun sing, hearing the stories of the battle. They've begun singing songs about what took place. And so what we're going to read today are, uh, is an example of kind of the parade that takes place as they're moving from one town to the next on their little victory lap. So let's stand and read together from God's Word, 1 Samuel chapter 18. We'll be reading verses 6 through 9, 1 Samuel chapter 18, beginning at verse 6. Here we go. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. You may be seated. All right, so what I'd like to do is just walk through these verses, because what we're going to see in these verses is the green-eyed monster of envy, of jealousy, um, boiling up in the heart of King Saul. So let's take a look at these verses together. It says, verse 6, as they were coming home from the battle with the Philistines, David returned from striking down the Philistine. The women came out of the city. They were singing, they were dancing, and they were singing a song. And here's the song they were singing. Verse 7, Saul has struck down his thousands, but David has struck down tens of thousands. So the idea here is that they were both victorious, that they both had done great things in this battle, but Saul, being the king, wanted, people, wanted that to be flip-flopped. He didn't want David getting more credit than he had gotten. David, or You'd be, see the roots of jealousy beginning to emerge here. Um, and this is a real problem for Saul. And the reason why this is a problem for Saul is because Saul had a deeply prideful heart. Saul always wanted to be on top. He always wanted to be the best. So rather than celebrate that David is a part of the Israelites, that this great champion has emerged for the Israelites, and that he's going to be somebody that the Israelites can turn to and look to, and they can have confidence in moving forward as a nation, rather than celebrate that, hey, we've got this great guy David on our side, uh, Saul decides to do something different. He decides to pinpoint David as a real problem. He decides to um, view David as a threat to his ego, to his pride, and eventually to his own throne. So look at what happens next, verse 8. So Saul was very angry about this, it says. Uh, these lyrics displeased him. He said to himself, they've ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they've ascribed just thousands. So in other words, we've been out there, we've been fighting, and they seem, people seem to get the idea that David is the one who's led the Israelites against the, the Philistines and has had the massive amount of victories, has had a greater uh, victory that, than I've had. Um, and so then he says, so what else is left for David to get but my kingdom? What else is there left for David to conquer but my own throne? And so immediately Saul begins to feel a threat to his own uh, position 
of authority. Verse 9, so Saul eyed David from that day on. That means that Saul kept a jealous eye on David. He's focused like a laser on wherever David goes. He wants to make sure David, he knows where he is, what David's up to. He wants to know who David's talking to. Um, he's, he, he's constantly tracking David's whereabouts, what David's doing because of this jealousy. And the results of Saul's jealousy, let's take a look at those. Verse 12, it says there that Saul became afraid of David. In other words, all sense of trust disappeared from their relationship. And we know what, trust, what happens when trust disappears in a marriage. We know what happens when trust disappears in a friendship or between you and a coworker at work. And when trust goes, the relationship is in trouble. This begin, things begin to deteriorate. Now skip down to verse 28. It says, verse 28, when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's own daughter, think about this, Saul's own daughter falls in love with David. I mean, Saul's whole world is just collapsing here. How can my own daughter, my own flesh and blood, even be falling for this guy whom I feel is a threat to my own authority, to my own throne? Verse 29, when this happened, Saul became even more afraid of David, such that Saul was David's enemy continually. So David, Saul now looks on David from this point forward because of a song that some people were singing. Uh, Saul looks on David from this point forward as rather than this great champion for the nation of Israel, he looks at him as a threat to his power. He looks at him as an enemy of Saul. So not only do they lose trust, but David has now become Saul's sworn enemy. No matter how much David would try to convince Saul over the course of the next many years, and David did on many occasions try to say, I'm loyal to you. I'm faithful to you. I support your, your right to be on the throne. I want to support Israel. No matter what David would do, Saul would never believe it. He would never accept it. Saul viewed David as his enemy, held him in utter contempt. The third result of Saul's jealousy is that he deliberately set out to murder David. Take a look at this with me. Look at verse 10. It says, The next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. So think about this for a second. Saul's got this spear in his hand, and he's fingering this spear in his hand, and he hears the song of David on his harp playing in the palace of King Saul, and the song is echoing through the palace, and every time one of those strings is plucked, Saul's anger and his rage inside of him just continues to grow and continues to smolder and continues to build toward David. He's resentful of him. He's jealous of him. He doesn't like David. And such that comes to a point, verse 10, that Saul had the spear in his hand and he hears the sound, verse 11, and he hurls the spear at David, thinking to himself, I'll just pin him to the wall. Saul has lost control. I mean, this is, this is cold-blooded murder that Saul attempts here of David. It's gotten to the point, this envy, this jealousy is so deeply rooted inside of Saul, it's driving his emotions, now driving his actions, that he tries to kill David. Not just once, but the scripture says, says David evaded him twice. Two times, Saul tried to pin David to the wall with a spear. So let's summarize. Saul's feelings of jealousy have resulted, number one, with an unwarranted fear of David and a loss of trust in David and Saul's relationship that was not necessary. Number two. Jealousy resulted in Saul's irrationally declaring David as his own enemy. Again, David was nothing but loyal to, to Saul. He had done nothing to warrant this, yet Saul felt this way. And then number three, Saul's mind grew so dark with jealousy that he literally tried to murder David. You know, the one thing that's really sad about this is that Saul makes this issue of killing David the primary reason uh, or the primary agenda, the national agenda for Israel. Rather than protect orphans and, and 
provide for the poor and help the widows in the community rather than defend Israel against the Philistines who are continuing to be a threat to them, rather than take the nation into the blessings of God, Saul puts forward as the primary agenda for the nation the destruction of David. David has to die. This is what all of our resources are going to be focused around. We're going to try and wipe this guy out. He couldn't get those things off his mind. He was consumed with his jealousy. He was consumed with wanting to eliminate David, a threat that was really no threat at all. And all of this a result of jealousy. It was eating Saul alive. All right, well, that's our story for today. That's as far as we want to go with this text. And so that means it's time for us to ask the question we ask every week around here, their most important question, which is, what difference does all this make to my life? You say, Gordon, I mean, that's really great to know about how Saul had this jealousy problem toward David, but I mean, and I see how he was totally out of control, but I'm not out of control. I don't even think I really have a jealousy problem. What difference does any of this make to my life? Well, let's talk about that. Uh, First of all, this idea of jealousy, it's a broad word in the English language. Um, On some places, we might use jealousy to talk about how a boyfriend feels about his girlfriend talking to some other guy, right? Or how a girlfriend might feel about her, uh, her boyfriend talking to some other girl. And they have these feelings of what we might call jealousy, this, this, this possessiveness uh, that one might experience toward, toward somebody that they love. And, but that's not what, what Saul's got going on here. Saul doesn't have a possessive love of David. Rather, what Saul has are words like resentment, words like envy. That's what's deep inside of Saul's heart. Um, um, and so it's an unhealthy competition of egos that's going on in Saul, where one person has, co- has to constantly outdo the other person. And that's what the scripture has in mind when it talks about jealousy, this unhealthy desire, this unhealthy need for competition to outdo somebody else. This is what we're talking about. And this is a feeling that we have towards somebody. It is not something that we do. Jealousy is not an action. Jealousy is a feeling. The Bible tells us that there's two kinds of sins that we are capable of committing. One of those is an outward act, a behavior, something we say, something we do to somebody. That is a, an outward sin. But there's also inward sins, right? Well, sins of the heart, sins of the things that we think in our mind, things that we feel inside of us that we shouldn't feel, that aren't right for us to feel. And so there's two different kinds of sins here. And so jealousy is that inward kind of sin. It's one of those inside type of things, how we feel. It's not an outward act. Jealousy is not the same as greed. Greed says, I want what you have. Jealousy says, I resent that you have what you have. Jealousy is driven by, I don't like you. And so if neither of us, if I can't have it, and I certainly don't want you to have it, that's what jealousy is. It's this drive on the inside of us. It's a cancerous force. When we're jealous of someone, we can't say one good word about them. When we're jealous of someone, we can't wait for them to crash and burn. That's what jealousy drives us to. Who might we feel this way about? Well, maybe you have a neighbor that feels this way about you. Maybe you mow your grass, and the next thing you know, they're over next door mowing their grass because they don't want to be outdone by how, look, how good your yard looks, right? Maybe you drive up into the driveway with a new car, and the next thing you know, a week later, they're driving up in the driveway with a new car themselves because they don't want to be outdone by you. They have this deep sense of jealousy on the inside of them. You put up your Christmas lights. Next thing you know, they're putting up more Christmas lights than you put up. They've got jealousy driving deep on the inside of them, a resentment towards you. Uh, Maybe it's a fellow student at school that always seems to be buttering up the teacher, always getting the special treatment at school. 
Um, maybe it's a coworker that's doing the same thing with a boss, that's uh, turning to the boss and getting the special treatment, getting the, the better privileges. Uh, when they, and when they walk by, you just want to grab them and stick their head in the toilet, right? Because there's these feelings of jealousy. Maybe it's a fellow officer, a longtime friend. Maybe it's a mom at your kid's school who's more beautiful than you are. Maybe that's more popular than you are. Maybe that dresses a little bit better than you do. Maybe gets a little bit more attention than you do, and you feel a sense of jealousy toward that mom at school. Or maybe you don't like her kids because you know they get better grades than your kids do, or whatever it might be. But these things cause us to feel jealousy, cause us to feel resentment toward other persons. Remember, it's not something that we do. It's an inside feeling. It's something that we think in our minds. And I'll tell you how you can know. If you're jealous, you say, I'm not jealous. Well, I can tell you how you can know if you're jealous of somebody. Here's how you can know that you're jealous of somebody. See how many good things you can say about them. I'm nobody jealous in here then. I guess that's good. But see how many good things you can say about them. If you can't say one good word about that person without cringing, friends, there might be a jealousy problem going on in in your heart toward that person. And the reason that this is worth our discussing today is because oftentimes those feelings of jealousy can cause us to act irrationally. Isn't that what Paul did? I'm sorry, Saul did? Those feelings of jealousy can cause us to act and do stupid things. And Saul just kind of got out of control there. Uh, he gave himself over to his emotions. He was trying to commit cold-blooded murder of David. And, je- and so jealousy can cause us to justify our destructive actions. So the question for us is, how do I then beat this? If I've got jealousy in my heart towards somebody, or I've struggled with it in the past, and it just keeps wanting to reemerge time to time when I get around that person, how can I beat this? How can I eradicate feelings of jealousy out of my life? Well, i got four principles for you, okay? Four things that you can do to try and eradicate or eliminate um, jealousy from your life. All right, number one, principle number one, is to be honest about the problem. To be honest about the problem. That is, don't justify it. Don't try and pass it off by some other name. Don't call it healthy workplace competition. <laughs> That's not what it is. It's jealousy. Just call it what it is. It's jealousy, pure and simple. They're ahead of you. You don't like it. They've got something that you want. Call it what it is. I'm jealous. Because we can't do anything to fix the problem, friends, until we're honest that we've got one. Alcoholics Anonymous, that great organization that's done so much for so many people who've struggled with addictive problems in their life, one of the hallmarks, one of the features of that organization in getting people to a place where they're ready to heal, where they're ready to uh, deal with the problem that they've got in their life is to admit that they have a problem, right? And once they get somebody to say, hey, look, I'm an alcoholic, the next thing you know okay, we can begin making forward progress. But it's not until that person's willing to say and be honest, hey, I got a problem here. So we need to say, hey, look, I've got a problem, and it's jealousy. Suggestion number two, reassess the value of people in your life. Reassess the value of people in your life. You know, the one thing that's true about jealousy is that it will always hurt. It will always damage people. And if you have a low view of people, well, then you'll be more willing to do that, right? But if you have a high view of people, if you look at other people and say there's inherent value, they're created by God, and there's inherent value in who they are as a person, then we'd be a lot less likely to have those feelings. We'd be more willing to celebrate when they win. We'd be more willing to be happy for David when he goes out and conquers Goliath. But if we view people as valuable, as objects of great worth, then jealousy will take a back seat. Remember, we have, to re- we have to remember the most important thing in God's economy is people. For God so loved the world 
He so loved people that he gave the very best that he had. God's view of people, friends, is the view that we need to have, and it will push jealousy off to the side. Number three, suggestion number three, is to attack jealousy with prayer. To attack jealousy with prayer. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, Paul writes, The works of the flesh or the acts of our sinful nature, the stuff that bubbles up naturally, inherently from within us, he says, are evident. And look at what Paul includes in this list of things that just bubble up from the surface, that just uh, appear from within us naturally, he says. um, Verse 20, right in the middle of verse 20, he says, Enmity, strife, jealousy. Among all those other things, he says, these are things that come natural to us. They're they're our natural drives, our natural inclinations. Friends, what the Bible is telling us is that jealousy is a deep-seated part of our nature. We are not dealing with a bad habit like burping at the table or forgetting to tell somebody thank you. That that can easily be modified, that can easily be corrected. What Paul is saying is that no amount of behavior modification is going to pull jealousy out of our heart. No amount of saying, I'm not going to act that way, I'm not going to feel that way, is going to make us stop feeling that way because it comes naturally to us. It's inherent within us. And so Paul's saying here is that what we need is a power outside of us to come in, God's supernatural power through the Holy Spirit, to work within our heart, to change and transform the substance of who we are on the inside, to make us a new creation in Christ. And so, friends, if you want to attack jealousy and make some headway, the only way to do it is on your knees in prayer, asking the supernatural power of God to stir with inside of you and to eradicate those feelings, which will come otherwise natural to your sinful man. Number four, and finally, is to keep your focus not on God and not on people. To finally, to keep your focus on God and not on people. If you want to beat jealousy, I can tell you how to do it. Keep your focus on God and not on other people. You see, jealousy is an outgrowth of our worldview, how we look at the world and the people in the world around us. Here's the worldview of jealousy. I want to get on top. I want to be number one. I don't want anybody to outdo me. I want to be the person that outdoes everybody else. I want to achieve this, and I want to gain that. And that person, they're competing with me, and I need to make sure that I outdo them. I need to make sure that I outperform them, that I'm better than them, that my boss sees me as better than them. Friend, if you see other people like that, you're going to have a problem with jealousy. You're going to have a problem with envy. You're going to have a problem with feelings of resentment. But the Bible presents a very different worldview. Listen to the worldview of the Bible. Psalm chapter 75 and verse 6, it says, For not from the east or from the west... And not from the wilderness comes lifting up. That is the exalting of persons. It doesn't come from the world around us, why people are successful, why people bubble up to the surface. The scripture says, verse 7, But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up or exalting another. Do you see what this is saying? It's saying that we have a sovereign, all-powerful God running our lives and our world and that he is bigger than every political scheme we may put in place. He's bigger than every maneuvering or political maneuvering that we may attempt and that if you trust God, that God is exactly big enough to get you where he wants you to go, to get you to his plan for your life, that you don't have to try and make that happen yourself. That's a biblical worldview that God is in control. 
and that God is perfectly big enough to get you the success that you're working hard for, that God is big enough to enhance your career and your status to get you where you need to go. Friends, listen, what happens with other people makes no difference on God's plan for your life. God's plan is going to happen. You don't have to help it along. For you to go up doesn't mean that somebody else has to go down. For somebody else to go up, you can go up too. That's a biblical worldview. And our God is in control of this thing we call life. Nothing is too hard for him. Well, what happened to Saul? Well, Saul got his eye. Remember he said he kept his, he kept his eye fixed on David. He's just a laser beam. Where is David? Who's he talking to? What's David up to? Following him, tracking him everywhere he was going because he was concerned that David was going to do something to undermine his authority. That David was out there working a plan to take Saul out. That's what Saul thought. Again, he was driven deeply by all these feelings of jealousy. Uh, he saw David's charisma as a threat. He saw David's achievements as a threat. He saw David's um, popularity as a threat. And he began to resent David to see him as a threat. Instead, if Saul had kept his eyes fixed on God who is in control, that, hey, look, God's going to keep me on this throne for as long as God wills and desires, that I don't have to try and work and scheme behind the scenes to try and make sure that I can hold on to this throne, but rather in God's sovereign plan for my life. Saul could have submitted himself to that and saved himself all of this chasing around of David and a tragic ending. Friends, if we really believe God is running the universe, and he is, if we really believe that God is going to get each one of us exactly where his plan intends us to go, and he will, then folks, there is nothing to be jealous about. There's nothing to be jealous about. Did you get that? That God is in control of your life. Folks, there is nothing to be jealous about. So don't go mud wrestling. Don't try to politically maneuver your way and work your way up the ladder to success. Live on the high road. If God is almighty and he is, then friends, God can open doors that are shut and he can get you where he needs you to go. When you see the world the way the Bible sees the world, it liberates you from feelings of envy and resentment and jealousy. All right, what have we learned? Well, let's summarize. How are we going to beat jealousy? How are we going to have victory over these feelings of jealousy in our life toward other people? Well, number one, let's be honest about it. Call it what it is. I'm jealous. That's the feeling I'm dealing with here. Number two, reassess the value of people in your life and the damaging impact that jealous feelings will have on them. Number three, attack jealousy with prayer. Prayer will bring the Spirit of God, the power of God at work in your life that will begin to root out those feelings that come naturally to us and replace them with feelings of, you know what, I want to celebrate this person's success. We can feel good about somebody else's um, success and popularity. And fourth and finally, give your focus on God, not to people. I believe the greatest weapon against jealousy, friends, is a biblical worldview, reminding ourselves that the sovereign God of the universe will get us where we need to go rather than us playing some kind of political games. I hope this has been helpful to you this morning. It's practical stuff. Don't you love David? David lives where we live. Uh, we can connect to where David is walking through. And so I love this journey that we're taking with him together. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Most gracious God, we thank you again for talking to us from your word today. Um, 
for some of us, Lord, this is perhaps not so much an issue. For others of us, God, it may be something that's churning and driving our emotions and driving some of our behaviors. And so, Lord, we recognize today that jealousy is, um, is an inside issue. We ask that your Holy Spirit would stir in our hearts today as we take a few moments of quiet here around this table uh, to celebrate your broken body and your shed blood. We ask the Holy Spirit that you would do that inside work, that you begin transforming us, that you would help us to find that quiet spot during the week where you can do that work of changing us from the inside out, of transforming us, of helping us to become a new creature in Christ. Lord, we want liberty. We want deliverance. We want that freedom that comes from knowing and living in you. Lord, we submit ourselves to you this morning in these quiet moments. We pray all these things in Christ's holy name. Amen.